0: So excited to welcome you back to the Avowed Podcast. It's episode three, and I have an incredible conversation for you today. So good, in fact, that I decided to split it up into two episodes because it was too much awesomeness to be contained in just one. A couple of weeks ago, when I launched the Avowed Podcast, I reached out to a few of my favorite wedding blogs to share the good news. And because the stars aligned, I actually got a response back from somebody at Junebug Weddings, which if you're familiar with them, you know that their content is impeccable. The email I received was written by a woman named Gabby LaBarbera, an editorial assistant at Junebug Weddings. She was writing to tell me about a pretty unique situation. She and her fiance, Patrick, are getting married in April but it's actually the second wedding that they've planned for themselves. Their first wedding, which was scheduled for May of 2016, never actually happened because Gabby and Patrick decided that it wasn't the right wedding for them. The entire celebration had gotten a little bit out of hand. They decided to put on the brakes and have some real talk about if and when they wanted to get married. The first part of this episode is all about making the decision to stop the wedding in its tracks, processing what that meant for them as a couple, and moving forward, creating a new wedding, and celebrate their love in a soulful way that better represented the incredible union that they already have and that they're eager to see grow with marriage. The second part of this episode deals largely with a conversation Gabby and I have surrounding new wave wedding industry rebels. This is a group of people who are entering this industry during this incredible period of growth and who are in a unique position to collaborate with one another and help shape the direction that this industry moves. So without further ado, I bring you part one of A Tale of Two Weddings. Hi, Gabby. Welcome to the Avowed Podcast. Hi. Thanks for having me.
1: So, okay. First of all, when did you start working at Junebug Weddings? So, I started not too long ago. Uh, I was accepted for an editorial intern position uh, last May of 2016, and uh, this past December, I accepted an editorial assistant position with them. Congratulations. Thank you. So it's a pretty tight knit uh, editorial team, but I really love working there. It's just really opened up this whole world of weddings to me. And so when you first started working there as an intern, that was the month that you were originally going to be married, correct? <laughs> that is true. Yeah. Uh, it's, it was all a very interesting timing how it all worked out. My fiance, Patrick, and I decided to postpone our wedding. Uh, it was initially going to be held in May 2016. And uh, we decided to postpone it in October of 2015. So some time had elapsed before I accepted the position at Junebug. But yeah, we definitely had some stuff to work through. And I think weddings were still fresh on my mind when I was looking for uh, an editorial position somewhere. And Junebug just sort of happened and fell into my lap and it just worked so well.
0: And I think it's awesome also that you started working at this website, like even after you had already had what is arguably like an unfortunate experience in (laughs) wedding planning.
1: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. It (laughs) It didn't turn you off for good. (laughs) No, it didn't. I think if anything, it, um, it almost like enhanced my appreciation for weddings, you know, because it's like I... Just went through this weird experience. I didn't really know what direction I was heading in with my wedding. Um, I didn't know why I was getting married at the time. There were just so many questions, and I think working for Junebug, accepting a position, a role with them, kind of helped me answer those questions in a way. I, I had, I had sought to answer them prior to my job at Junebug, but I think having a deeper understanding about the wedding industry as a whole and engaging with more real couples that have been married or are about to get married really gave me a different perspective on that experience. Absolutely. So when did you and Patrick meet? So we met in 2014. Um, I was actually working in the coffee industry at the time and I was managing a pop-up shop at a local restaurant and, um, he was a high school math teacher and he, uh, he's the kind of guy who just always needs to be working, you know? So he accepted a uh, barista position at this pop-up shop and that's how we met. And luckily it, we knew it was a temporary situation. So if anything happened between us, which obviously it did, uh, we felt comfortable just moving forward with the relationship. So yeah, it's funny. So many relationships start
0: in the workplace, but it's also like this no-no, right? Like everybody yeah. has such a bad, um, I don't know, idea of what that, how that could turn out. But also we fall in love with the people that we're surrounded by and that we see. And, you know, in, unless you're, it's like who you're working with or who you're going to school with usually or your friends. So Absolutely. <laughs> it makes sense that a lot of relationships would start there.
1: Yeah, it's just this shared experience between the two of you that, you know, you can't really swap. I mean, it's amazing to make a connection to someone that you swipe uh, left. What is it, swipe left or swipe right? I, I have actually... no idea. I've been in a relationship <laughs>
0: for 10 years, so like, okay. I completely missed <laughs> <Yeah>. the, Tinder, <laughs> the Tinder time.
1: As did I. But uh, whichever way you swipe, you know, it's awesome. Like those kind of spontaneous, um, like almost impromptu relationships that occur are really cool but these also like really deep set experiences that you have with someone are also really special in their own right so yeah we clicked immediately how long were you guys together
0: before did he pop the question did you like what was the proposal scenario
1: we were together for maybe eh, I want to say a year actually honestly just over a year wow um when he proposed yeah so We had discussed marriage. We got serious very fast. I had already been living with him at this time. Um, We already had two dogs together. So it was a pretty advanced relationship. Zero to 60. I like it. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. We know what we want. Uh, But yeah, so he did pop the question uh, right after a year, basically. And it was really romantic and definitely very planned out on his end. Um, I was very surprised and taken aback. And I think there were a lot of complicated feelings behind it that we definitely needed time to work through. Um, but I, I, you're married, right? No, I'm not. Oh, no, you're not. I'm sorry. No, it's okay. I
0: mean, you would think after 10 years with somebody that someone would have popped the question. No, we've talked about it, but, um, but yeah, I mean, part of, no, part of why I'm starting this podcast is because I am so fascinated with my own motives, you know, working in this industry and being saturated with mm-hmm. the beautiful imagery and all of these artisans. it um, Sometimes I really question, like, do I want the wedding because it's so fucking cool? <laughs> or do mm-hmm. I, yeah. you know, like, what are my motives? So, yeah, I'm not married yet, but we'll see. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So yeah, the, gosh, the whole motivation aspect of weddings is what intrigued me the most. And I am a very cerebral person, right? So I, I overthink things and I do it constantly with in almost every aspect of my, of my life. And that makes me me. And I appreciate it about myself, but I think with the wedding and with marriage as a whole, I hadn't given myself enough time to think about it. Before we had started planning the wedding, I, I actually remember um, we were on vacation in Philadelphia, which is where I'm uh, originally from, and that's where he proposed to me in like a really beautiful nature spot. But he uh, <laughs> we were also with his parents not at the time of the proposal, but we were on vacation with his parents. Mm-hmm. And as soon as we got engaged and we told his parents, not more than 24 hours from the proposal. Uh, his mom was started talking about like the people we'd invite to the wedding, and we're gonna invite your fourth oh, grade wow. English teacher, and you know just all this stuff. And I was like, in my mind, I was like, whoa, I have not even started processing this. Yeah, and I mean, he, he my my fiance is also a very fast mover. Uh, so he was all on board talking about wedding stuff, and um, that's kind of nice though.
0: A lot of a lot of yeah. to be grooms are. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if it's so much that they don't care or that like we haven't given them permission as a society to care. And mm-hmm, so they assume mm-hmm. that they don't get a voice. But I mean, that's awesome yeah. that you oh, yeah. had a guy in your hands that was like stoked to get so in there. excited!
1: Oh, yeah. And it's, it's what's funny, too, is that, you know, when all is said and done and we did eventually decide to postpone it. Um, when we would tell a lot of people, they would assume that Patrick was the one that had, you know, a set like, quote unquote, cold feet or that Patrick was the one that got nervous about it. But I was like, actually, it was me. Yeah. And like way to project their like societal expectations. Onto right. You exactly. I know. There's so much of that go- that goes on in the wedding industry, too. Yeah. Well, I mean,
0: no wonder. It sounds like you really hit the ground running. It was like we're getting married and yeah. now we're planning immediately.
1: Yeah, exactly. So. We had started planning this giant wedding. Uh, it was going to be, when all was said and done, it was probably going to be about 220 people, um, m- this massive, gorgeous venue, uh, but still massive. <laughs> I hadn't had much time to develop the style that I wanted. You know, i It's so easy when you're planning a wedding to get sucked into the traditional wedding style, right? And, and there's nothing wrong with that. And... I knew from the start that I wanted a more modern aesthetic but even that being said like it's just so easy to get sucked into the Pinterest thing and the you need this you need that you need the transportation you need the uplighting. Absolutely there's like
0: this um, checklist kind of that I think has been developed especially over like the last 10 years when when the wedding industry started becoming you know more artistically minded and And the list just keeps getting longer and longer. And in a lot of wedding publications at the back, they'll have the, you know, the tier of pricing like here's how much money you should be spending on your venue (laughs) and here's how much money you should be spending on your calligrapher and it like rattles off all this stuff and I think Mm -hmm. part of what I want to do in this conversation that I'm starting is to like give people permission to say no to some of those things and know that that's okay (laughs) because absolutely it is overwhelming and there's so much content out there and I think um I know that if I was getting married, I would have a really hard time sorting through all of the beautiful imagery out there and taking what I responded to and what resonated with me and then like turning it into my own interpretation of that and not just doing it the way that I've seen it just for for ease, if nothing else.
1: <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Um, we... It's funny now, you know, I'm I'm really close to my actual wedding. It's on April 22nd.
0: I know. Wow. It's around the corner. It really is. Uh,
1: But just being so close to this event that I worked so hard to create and envision and comparing it to the quote unquote first wedding. I always like to say quote unquote first wedding because obviously we didn't actually. Yeah, I know. It makes it sound like (laughs)
0: you've been married and divorced already.
1: (laughs) I know. I know. The first event, I guess. Um, but it's, it's so stylistically different, uh, from that first event, just because I was given more time to work on what I wanted. I was given more time or actually not even that I was given, I gave myself more time Mm. to develop what I really wanted and giving myself more time to do that also was really difficult, right? Because that involved me canceling that first wedding, which was really a hard thing to do. And I'd, I'd be lying if I said that I, we canceled slash postponed the first event because um, just because the wedding wasn't right for us, you know, just because the style wasn't right or anything. Uh, that was a huge component of it. Yeah.
0: It was more than that.
1: Yeah. I mean, it was a huge, a huge component. Cause you, it's so easy to snowball, as you mentioned, like just snowball into this, like, well, you need a calligrapher. Well, you need this and that. And yeah, that is a big part of it. Um, but at the same time, I also looked deep into myself and realized that I wasn't ready for marriage at the time.
0: Yeah, that must have been a really hard talk. Yeah. <laughs> a really was. hard oh, yeah. conversation to have. It was. Was that a series of conversations or was it like a come to Jesus moment where you were like, we need to have some <laughs> real talk?
1: Uh, actually, it was, gosh, it was interesting. You know, in hindsight, looking back on the whole experience, I... I think I knew it from the start. I think I knew it from the moment he proposed to me. And it's just, you know, your whole, your whole life, like from when you're a little girl, it's, or a little boy, uh, you have this idealized version of the proposal Hmm. and how it's going to feel to you and what it's going to feel like. Um, And it's, I'm just starting, I'm really starting to realize that that moment of the proposal is really complicated, and it's really complicated for a lot of people. Like, unless if the soon to be bride is totally in on it, if it's a surprise proposal, there are a lot of complicated feelings that come that go behind that.
0: Yeah, it's not this simple, like, I mean, yeah, in the in the movies, it's so simple all of the yeah. time. It's either way too complicated yeah. and there's like right. a huge fiasco yeah. that happens and they have to figure it out in the next 20 minutes. But usually it's like this very simple, like, he pulls out the ring and she's like, yes, of course, obviously. And there's no, yeah, there's no complexity there, but it is such a nuanced decision. There's so many factors.
1: Right. Whenever I tell people about the moment of the proposal, even now, I mean... I love Patrick so much and I'm so happy we're getting married. But when I tell people, I, you know, explain it to them. I'm like, he popped the question and I was crying and we FaceTime my mom. And what I don't say a lot of the time is I think I was crying because I was feeling all these complicated emotions. Like it, I don't, I'm not a happy crier. Like I I think I only <laughs> cry when I'm sad or confused or angry and not, not that I was uh, sad or angry at the proposal, but I was really deeply confused and it was a lot to work through. But you're also taught, you know, in just in general from the movies or from societal expectations that at the moment of the proposal, you should be over the moon, you should be happy crying, you should immediately say yes. And so that's what I did. That's what I projected.
0: And if you're not all of those
1: things, then
0: (laughs) then there's something wrong with you and you're broken, which is bullshit.
1: Exactly. And it it was harder, too, because I knew I loved him and I I know I loved him. And so why did I feel these really complicated emotions when I love this person that's asking me to spend the rest of my life with him legally, you know, (laughs) marriage wise? So it was a really complicated situation. And I think I threw a lot of my complex emotions and energy into planning the actual wedding rather than confronting them and uh, yeah. dealing with them. immediately. That'll happen. <laughs> oh yeah. So uh, to get back to your original question, I, I actually first, it first finally clicked with me that I needed to postpone the wedding uh, when I was actually on a road trip with one of my lifelong best friends. We've been best friends since uh, preschool. Whoa. And yeah, I know we were driving from Boston to Chicago. So we had a lot of time. We had a lot of time to talk and yeah. reflect and catch up. Sometimes that's what it takes
0: though, right? Yeah. That's when I, I feel like sometimes when I work through a lot of my shit, it's because I'm trapped in
1: some scenario with like my best friend and, and it just yeah. all comes tumbling out. I know. And that's what friends are for. I mean, I, I'm so grateful for that experience. And she was just so understanding and patient We talked it through. And again, that was a series of conversations with her. And after the road trip happened, I remember calling her and being like, I just can't do this. And she was really helpful and gave me some good advice. And when I when I broke it to Patrick, it was hard because at the time I didn't have all this um, hindsight intelligence about it. Right. I, I didn't really understand why I didn't want to get married. Uh, but I knew I didn't want to get married in May of 2016. Still a lot to
0: work through, but also like you can't, It's it takes us so long to work through a lot of things, right? It
1: does, yeah. To wrap
0: our heads around our motivations and where, yeah, like just why we're doing the things that we're doing and all of the emotions that are coming up in a process, especially such a complex process like that. Yeah. But also, you know, you had like a wedding date looming over you and it's like you got to halt the brakes and be like, I need to communicate this to you in the best possible way without you thinking I want to bail entirely but also like I didn't have enough time to work through all of this stuff. I imagine that that was a really a scary space to be in.
1: It was. Yeah, there were a lot of very intense conversations between myself and Patrick. I didn't wear my ring for a couple of months after we decided to postpone the wedding, not because I wanted to break up with him, but just because it didn't feel right to have this essentially like this vestige of uh this event or this thing that wasn't even going to happen that I didn't even know if I wanted and you know I think he's I think he spent a couple nights like sleeping elsewhere just because we needed a little bit of space but ultimately I'd say a couple of weeks after we decided to postpone the wedding we kind of came together and we essentially just shook on it. And we decided to move forward with canceling it, um, trying to get our deposits back, trying to just free ourselves of this thing that I had essentially bogged us, not just me, that we had bogged ourselves down with. And we needed to work on our relationship. And we needed to figure out why we wanted to get married.
0: So that took a lot of time. Well, I think that takes a lot of time, period, all the time. I mean, <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. in my last episode that I released, I was talking to a woman named Lauren Caselli, and we were talking about the marriage contract and how it's really like this static contract. Um, historically, it has been. It's like you agree on something up front, and then you're supposed to hold true to this very black and white, way of looking at your relationship for the rest of your lives together. And she was like, there's literally no other business contract or any kind of a contract out there that doesn't get re-evaluated. And right, And relationships are the same way. I mean, you have to constantly be checking in with each other and with yourselves and being like, okay, we've changed, things change. How do we evolve with the situation and not just assume that everything is okay and yeah it's it's a funny it's a funny thing when you're talking especially about you know you guys were together for like just over a year which seems really fast to me and it doesn't... It does. It doesn't blow my mind at all that you, you know, it got swept up in that emotion. And then, you know, after a little while, you're like, wait a minute, what's happening? It's like the world is just moving underneath you and you're like getting swept up.
1: Well, I think another interesting component to this conversation and to my relationship with Patrick is that he is um, about six and a half years older than me. So in a way, we are we we did have to figure out how to bridge that age gap. And I think his uh, enthusiasm toward marriage did have something to do with that. Uh, not that he was in a rush to get married, but I think he was at a point in his life developmentally where he knew he had found the person he wants to spend the rest of his life with. And not that I didn't necessarily feel that for myself. I, I'm about to turn 25. So I am relatively young And mid-20s, especially this day and age, you know, people aren't getting married until they're 28, 29, even well into their 30s, 40s. So it's, I, I felt like I was going against, again, the societal expectations of what I should be doing right now. Like, oh, maybe I should be single or, oh, maybe I should be free and exploring and partying every night, which totally isn't me Um, (laughs) but I was like well maybe I should be doing these things and it took me a lot of time to reconcile you know these societal expectations with what is actually right for me and what I really love about Patrick essentially
0: yeah, your 20s are crazy to begin with, right? Yeah. Like nobody, yeah. everybody says, like as soon as they're out of their 20s, they're like, yeah, that was the worst. Like, I'm so glad I'm done <laughs> with it. And I mean, even if you're, you know, really emotionally mature, it's still an incredibly complicated time and you're trying to figure out who you are and where you want to be. And and it is, you know, it's like the difference between emotional development in men and women is really interesting to me because I think, in my experience, at least, women develop emotionally in a much quicker way than men, right? So it makes sense that a lot of women end up in relationships with men that are a little bit older than them, because I think that they align a little bit better. Like, I've I've never dated anyone my own age. I just, like, couldn't deal <laughs> with guys my own right. age
1: ever. Oh, yeah.
0: Yeah, right? And so I think that But then you've got this difference between somebody who's like, I guess you must have been like 23,
1: 24 when he proposed. Yes. Yeah, I was 23.
0: Yeah. And he's, you know, would you say six years older? So I mean, the difference between 23 and 28 or whatever, it's like, that's a huge difference, right? (laughs) Right. Oh, yeah. Even though you're in the same decade, even though you're in the same 20s period, I mean it, yeah, it makes a huge difference, and he had had a little bit more time to think about what he wants in a partner, and so he probably yes. knew it when he saw it, whereas like you literally just didn't have as much time to think about what that looked like right
1: right and i, I when I look back at my short life i I think <laughs> you know i I realize i i have i've had a, how do I put this I, I guess I've had a wealth of experiences um that gave me. A really solid perspective on the partner I want to have for the rest of my life. And not to get sappy here.
0: No, do it. Get sappy.
1: <laughs> Patrick is that person for me. You know, he really compliments me in, you know, compliments with an E like he yeah. uh, works well. He's goofy. He's crazy. He's charming. Um, I'm a little more serious and it just works so well. And I couldn't have asked for a better person to spend the rest of my life with. So when it came time for us to reevaluate our relationship and be like, well, are we going to try to make this work after we postponed the wedding? It, um, it worked, you know, it, it worked and it was hard again for months. It, there were still moments of like doubt. There were moments of arguments. Uh, I, Their internal mental moments of if we split up, I would take this dog and he would take that dog. (laughs) But ultimately, we made it through and we are way better for it. Like we are us as a couple right now is totally different than the couple that we were when we had postponed the wedding. We're completely different.
0: I think it's amazing. Yeah. And also so necessary. I mean, I feel like it's one of those things you're gonna look back on and you're gonna be like, I'm glad I married that person that I and that I was this person when I married him instead of the people we were the first time around. Because oh, yeah. I think that it really can shape a marriage. It can help it can shape a union, the people that you are when you make that decision and when you cross that threshold, you know, even if it's not a legally binding threshold, but like a decision to spend the rest of your lives together. It's a pretty big one.
1: And and we all change. Yeah. What's interesting is, um, you know, I I would never say I would do it all over again. I would never say, oh, if I had to do it over again, I would postpone another wedding. This was, was a horrible experience. <laughs> that was a blast. Let's do it again. <laughs> right. <laughs> Let's do it again. Uh, but I will say I am very grateful for the experience because when I think about the effect that that experience had on our relationship, I, I think we needed it. I think we needed to have an experience that tested the integrity of our relationship and that really tested our motivations because for so long, you know, it was kind of like honeymoon period, like, oh, this is great. Can't imagine anything better. This is awesome. And that's when he proposed. So we never had experienced something so trying and emotional, like really deeply emotional um, and I think I needed to see that side of him, too. Yeah. So it just helped us understand each other more in a way.
0: That makes a lot of sense, because you're going to deal with that the rest of your lives together. Mm-hmm. This oh, is yeah. not the first or the last time that <laughs> <laughs> that you'll have an oh, argument yeah. or that, you know, you'll go through a rough patch. And-, right. and I think it makes a lot of sense, even maybe even just like on a gut level, you knew you needed to experience
1: that that trying period. Yeah, yeah. I think I did. I cuz I know a lot of our conversations. I think we never really argue much at all, but in the past, I think prior to the wedding postponement, our conversations would center around me being like, "Well, I don't I don't feel like you understand this side of me, like this really deeply emotional, raw side of me. I feel like everything is just sunshine and flowers with you, which is awesome and which is why I love him, but I think I needed to see that darker side of the relationship, you know. Every Every relationship has a light and a dark, and I I needed to expose our weaknesses to make sure that I could live with them.
0: I think that's really smart. I feel like there's, I mean, I don't know how many people do this anymore, but specifically in like the Catholic religion, they'll have meetings with a priest leading up to getting married, right? Where Mm -hmm. he's like walking you through like, hey, here's some questions that you guys need to be asking each other right now. And um, just sort of like pre-marriage counseling, which I feel like... That's such a good practice, even if you're not looking outside of your relationship for that, but just posing some tougher questions and putting yourself in those situations where you have to have those conversations that are not necessarily sunshine and flowers. Right. It's like cutting to the chase a little bit and like dipping your toe in a rough patch so that you can be like, can we weather that storm when it comes? Because it'll come. It always comes. Oh, yeah. 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 I, I feel like your intuition was like, we need to experience a, like just a, a shade of hardship. Right. And not that
1: I was like willing to rock the boat and just cancel this wedding just to see what it was like to no, get no, into no. an argument with him. Absolutely. But not. yeah, that's that was basically, you know, there are all these unanswered questions I had about their relationship yeah. um, and postponing the wedding definitely answered a lot of them
0: did you guys have or i guess did you have a conversation after you know the dust settled a little bit about what marriage means to each of you because i'm i'm really interested in why people have like the legally binding piece of it have the party you know For instance, like Goldie Hawn and Kurt Russell, they're like my, they're my ideal. Like, I love them. Mm -hmm. They have such an incredible relationship and they've been together forever and are not married. And I'm really interested in why people decide to do the legally binding piece. Is it like a pragmatic choice? Is it because they want to have that celebration? And I think it means something very different oftentimes to either party in a couple. And so I'm curious if you guys had those conversations about like why he proposed in the first place and like what marriage looks like to him and you.
1: Yeah, I, I really like how you pose that question. Whenever we talk about the proposal, um, now especially being so removed from the moment and really working towards our future together, he always says, I still stand by proposing to you. Um, I feel like if I hadn't proposed to you in that moment, I would have, my heart would have just exploded. That's (laughs) That's what he says. He is, he is a very deeply, you know, I'm, I'm, I I keep mentioning, I'm an emotional person, but he is just as emotional. Um, So he just really felt this, this need to express his love for me. I think externally, he's a very external person. Um, And that goes through a lot of his, the components of his life. But uh, for me, I'm a very internal person, and I think that's where it contrasted for a while. In terms of our ultimate decision to get married after we had worked through it and really seen what it means to us, at least, I I think it's there's like a a dichotomy, essentially. I think there's an interesting division of why we want to get married. On one side, it is, like you said, pragmatic. Um, I think for us, it just makes sense to be legally one person. Uh, We're going through a lot of like, he owns a house and we live together and I'm finishing up school. So in a lot of sense, in a lot of senses, it just makes sense to on paper be married for us. But on the other hand, I think, I think it is, I think part of it does serve this external commitment and internal commitment. Uh, You know, you always hear people say, after you get married, everything changes. Like you don't think it's going to change, but it does. And I still don't see how that's necessarily going to relate to us because we are so close and we're so together. We are just one unit already. So why, why get married? Right? Like why take it to the next level? But I think for us, it just means a lot to have this commitment and to have this promise to each other that, feels like we're sharing it with our community, with our family and our friends, and we are just able to cement it. Yeah. Seal the deal. It's exciting. Yeah. And I mean, a little personal motivation, of course, is that I work in the wedding industry and I just see what our wedding could be. And I see the moments that we could be sharing with our family and friends and like the beauty that goes into it. And it's just this gorgeous moment I live for moments, so I'm really excited to just celebrate that with him.
0: Yeah, no shame, man. Like the <laughs> the photos that I see, first of all, Junebug is absolutely one of my favorites. You guys Aww, post you. such incredible photographs um, that have like a very almost moody kind of a vibe to them. Like I think yeah. that a lot of the photographs you guys choose are on the darker end of the spectrum, um, sure. with like some really beautiful contrast, and I love. I love that wedding photography is moving in that direction in a lot of ways because I think that there is so much complexity in a wedding yeah. and that that deserves to be seen in photographs, right? Yeah. But all of these photos like they're stunning and they're intoxicating and you can feel the magic like wafting off of them even like through your computer <laughs> yeah. screen, right? And Absolutely. there's no reason why you shouldn't want to have that too. I mean, I I have a studio art background and from a very selfish place, I want to have a wedding because to me, it's like this collaborative art installation. And I can see how many different ways that could be done and interpreted. And that's a blast. That's a good time. I want to plan that and have a really great time planning that and then to watch it all unfold like that.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, I think my experience with Junebug did in a way influence my ability to I don't want to say come around to getting married because it sounds like I'm settling or, you know, he's twisting my arm, but (laughs) I, it really, it really um, helped me understand what goes on at a wedding. You know, like it's, it's beyond this, it's beyond the aisle markers and it's beyond the backdrop and it's beyond the DJ or the photo booth or just all the little components, but it's the emotion and the, the, this deep, Complex promise you're making to your lifelong partner. Um, one thing I love the most about Junebug is the photographs, as you mentioned, or are the photographs, because we do place such a focus on the quality of the photographs. You'd think being exposed to such beautiful photography and art every day uh, would desensitize me, but nope. I, I feel <laughs> Right. I feel the submissions for our blog, and I, I find myself crying every day at just how gorgeous and emotional and just like deeply beautiful these photographers make these or help bring out these moments essentially you
0: know I often think it's got to be like the most difficult of all of the vendors working in the industry like and they're all difficult in their own way right wedding planning is a circus and you're a ringleader and that sounds right like a complex situation I couldn't even begin to understand but um but I think about as a wedding photographer, it's got to be really stressful to be worried about what moments you're capturing and what you literally just can't capture because you can't be in 30 Uh places at one time. And there's magic happening in every single corner of this space and you're picking and choosing which ones to shine a light on. And that's got to be really nerve wracking, I would imagine.
1: Absolutely. I mean, we talk to photographers all the time. And what I've realized is like photographers are at weddings to capture these Incredibly fleeting moments forever. And like you said, you just can't be there to capture every moment all the time. So, yeah.
0: And I was talking to a photographer about this recently who was like, if I'm not there to capture it, it doesn't mean it didn't happen. That's the important right. piece of this equation is that, right. you know, at the end of the day, all of these beautiful things, all these moments are coinciding. And that just because they're not on film doesn't mean that they weren't equally magical. Absolutely it's difficult working in the industry and seeing all this beautiful stuff. And it really does force me to question my, why I want this if I want it. Um, Cause you know, as far as I'm con- like from a, from a commitment perspective, I already feel married, but there is a piece of me that wants to walk over that threshold, you know, that mm-hmm. wants to say the words and have it be witnessed and, Make some kind of delineation between now and then, and this place in our life and that next step. Absolutely. And I think a lot about what that agreement is and what that threshold means to different people. And I w- I'm I'm a spiritual person, but I'm not a religious person, and neither is Patrick. And so for us, it really has nothing to do with you know religion. It's not really too much about the legal aspect of it, but I think that. There's something really important about celebrating the milestones in our life. Yeah. And with everybody, well, not everybody, because 220 people is a lot of people, but everybody that you love, right? Right. (laughs) I think it is really the only time in your life that you're going to get all those people in one place, which in itself is total magic. But I liked what you wrote about in your article on Junebug about, you know, ditching the big wedding for the small. And you're writing about these 220 people and it started to feel like you were getting married for them it was like their wedding and not your wedding with Patrick and I think that that can happen so easily I hear people especially when they get bogged down by the wedding planning process they'll start saying things like I just want everyone to have a good time you know and they're talking about a centerpiece and I'm like home girl. <laughs> Like that centerpiece <laughs> yeah. is for you and no one else. Right. Like you're going to love exactly. that centerpiece and they're going to appreciate it, no doubt, but that's not going to make or break their experience. They're going to have a blast because they're there to celebrate your love for somebody and all of their favorite people are there too. And there's also food and a lot of booze and great music. And that's, that's a good time. So I think that it is such an important thing to throughout that process, be checking in with yourself and saying, who am I making this decision for?
1: Absolutely. When we decided to go ahead and plan this second wedding, quote unquote, we uh, decided to cut the guest list in half. And of course, it's gone up a little bit since from half since we've started planning because things come up, people come up. But it, yeah, it happens. But still, it's, it's a significant number less than the original 220 that we had.
0: Was that a difficult... Because did you, had you already invited those 220 people, like sent out invites and stuff?
1: Thankfully, we had not sent any of our our stationery out. So Good deal. uh, (laughs) Because uninviting sounds like really stressful. It does. I mean, we did, gosh, we did have to have a lot of conversations about it with people, obviously, because they all knew it was going to happen. But thankfully, people were more understanding than i expected them to be i think they just knew that i needed that time to focus on my relationship and figure out what's going on rather than have to explain every excruciating detail of the process to them so people were generally understanding did the people who and pardon my phrase didn't make the
0: cut the second time around
1: <laughs> <laughs> do they
0: know i don't know cuz i imagine some of them like didn't even realize maybe that they were going to make the cut the first time around Did you have to call people individually or like was there a lot of, I don't know, I I guess I'm just wondering how far along you were in the notifying people process and did you have to backpedal and be like, oh, I'm sorry, never mind?
1: Yeah, well, what's interesting is um, I'm actually going through that right now. Um, We sent out our save the dates for this wedding uh, around New Year's Day and that was the big moment where we knew people... We're going to find out that they weren't invited to the wedding, you know, or were invited to the wedding. Yeah. And we didn't want to like leave it up to to fate, or we didn't want to leave it up to them opening their mailbox expectantly and not finding anything there. But at the same time, it just it felt so uncomfortable. The idea of having to call people and telling them, "Hey, we're doing this thing, but you're not invited." So what we actually decided on doing is just let it be. Invite the people we want to invite anyone else that reaches out to us kind of digs about it, asks about it. Then we let them know like, Hey, I really love you. You're such a big part of my life. This is really special, but we did decide to cut the guest list in half and we are just inviting close family and mostly local friends and people are really understanding about it. You know, it's, it's just, there's really not much else you can do, you know, to really mitigate that problem. But We worked on it.
0: (laughs) Be a little selfish, right?
1: Right. I think that's a
0: fun. Yeah, it's a funny place to be. You're inviting everybody that you love, which we give ownership to the people that we love all the time for all kinds of things, right? I think I I, at least I take responsibility for the way other people feel a lot of the time, when obviously it's not my responsibility how other people feel. Right. I'm the same way. Yeah, and so I mean, it's I commend you. That takes a lot of bravery, and I'm sure that you've handled Thank it you. very well. But um,
1: but Thank yeah, you. that
0: must be really difficult.
1: Yeah, well, the the biggest component that really helped direct us to stay strong and just cut the guest list and max it out at 125 was actually our venue, because the venue that we ended up going with is this really adorable, beautiful a renovated Victorian house in downtown Austin, Texas. Wow! So we literally can't have more than 125 people. And you were
0: like, awesome. There's a cap yeah. and it's not something that yeah. we have any control over.
1: Exactly. We were like, we need to be married at this place. I don't care how many or how few people we can have and let's just roll with the punches. So I think also just having that back us up essentially helped us feel better about our decision and you know cutting the guest list in half going back to um, budget it really gave us a little more leeway to creatively explore like what we really want at the wedding and what's really important to us so yes
0: budget wise what is how do they stack up against each other I'm curious
1: (laughs) well We, you know, wedding budgets are crazy. They are crazy. (laughs) We had expected a significant difference between the budgets because it was half the people essentially. Mm -hmm. Uh, But we did let ourselves, I I guess, design the wedding closer and more aligned to what we wanted, um, which meant amazing food, really beautiful flowers, amazing venue, and ultimately, it's this wedding is still going to be about ten grand less than the previous wedding, but it's really worth it for us. Yeah, you've
0: got this first wedding, you've given yourself permission to spend this certain amount, and then you decide not to do that wedding, but you, I think if it was me, it would be hard for me second time around to not be like, oh, so this is still our budget, right? Right. And and yeah, I mean, it is sort of still your budget, right? Because it's like, you know that that's how much money you're willing to spend because you were willing to spend that money, money. And so you're like, okay we're obviously going to be spending less just inherently because of guest list size. But how can Mm -hmm. we spend this money in a way that feels right for us and towards things that we really care about instead of just literally trying to accommodate 220 people, which is a lot of people to feed. I think I'm yes, sure that a lot of that money is. was just tied up in feeding all of those human beings.
1: It absolutely was. Um, and it's kind of funny because our food and drink budget uh, for this wedding is actually the same as the last wedding, but that's just because we really love this one French restaurant and they're catering our wedding. And it we feel good about the food that we're giving our guests and we feel good about the drinks. Like food and drinks are... A big portion of what my fiance and I like to do and like to participate in, so it just makes sense that that is one of our favorite things. Right? Mean, yeah,
0: absolutely. And everybody's yeah. going to be different. Yeah. Are do you? Are you having a band? Is music one of the? Well, yeah. I guess here's the question: What are like? Okay. What are the top tier, like top three things that you guys care the most about? You know, when you yeah. break this down into categories.
1: Sure. So food and drink, food and beverages, is one. Because I work at Junebug, photography was one of the very first things that I uh, pursued. And I found a wonderful photographer named Brianna Purser, and she'll be taking care of it. So that was a big component. And I would say, and this is all aside from the venue, that, that was the very first thing that we uh, looked into. But the third thing, the third most important thing that actually was a huge surprise to me as uh, to what was important for us, was videography oh. because um I again working at Junebug I see a lot of amazing videography just like I end up crying I think every time I watch a video I'm I'm one of the a couple of office criers we are the designated <laughs> office criers and we just cried everything
0: I would be in that same yeah
1: same squad. <laughs> uh but yeah I videography is something that I I know how amazing it can be I also know How pricey it can be. So when Patrick and I had evaluated all the components of our wedding, all of the vendors we needed, I love videography, but I was like, I'm willing to not spend a crazy amount on videography. (laughs) I'm willing to cut a corner there, not because I don't appreciate it, but because we have already maxed out our budget. Mm -hmm. Um, And then one night when we were looking for a videographer, it is something that I I do want. Yeah. But when we were looking for a videographer, I had a couple of things on my plate. And I was like, hey, Patrick, here are 10 videographers. I haven't looked at their work. Just take a look at their videos and let me know what you think. And I I leave the room and I, I walked back and I walk into the room. And Patrick, about like 10 minutes later, Patrick is just cr- like sobbing, oh. like heaving <laughs> oh, with no. emotion. He loves these videos. And he's like, Gabrielle, we need, he calls me Gabrielle. Gabrielle, <laughs> we need an amazing videographer. And so looking at all the videography, we decided that we are pretty particular and finally found someone that suits our needs. And he's amazing. His name is Seth Dunlap. He's flying in from Orlando to help us with our wedding. So I'm really excited to have him there. But yeah, that was a surprise to me as uh one of the priorities of our wedding.
0: How does how does the price of videography compare to the price of photography? I have no idea. I've never hired yeah, a videographer. It's
1: actually a, a good question. Uh we at, at Junebug, my coworker Nicole and I just recently collaborated on a videographer post. So mm-hmm. if you're interested at all of the details oh, absolutely you can refer to that. Then I definitely will. <laughs> yeah, but in terms of price, and this is one of the one of the things we mentioned, videographers are actually very similar in price to photographers, especially in the sense that there is a huge range. You know, you can get someone, a videographer, that will do your wedding for $500. You can also get a videographer that'll do your wedding for $10,000. Yeah,
0: (laughs) it's a huge spectrum.
1: (laughs) Yeah, same goes for photographers. But what's interesting is that the product differs so much between the photos you get from a wedding and the video you get from a wedding, right?
0: Yeah. It's almost like hedging your bets, too, like what we were talking about with all of the moments happening at a wedding and the photographer can only capture so many of them. And I imagine that what would inevitably happen is you would have a video that contained many of the same moments, but then also like all of these surprises that you'd be like, what? Whoa, I had no idea.
1: (laughs) Yeah. What I love about the package that I actually got with Seth and a lot of uh, videographers offer this or similar packages we, he's creating a highlight film for us. So I think it's about five to eight minutes long. And it's really artistically done, like modern abstract style, which is what we wanted. Um, but he's also providing an external hard drive containing all of our raw footage. So he's going to uh, film our speeches and our whole ceremony. And though that might not actually make the highlight film cut, we'll have complete footage of that. So that's we can awesome. preserve those memories. Yeah, yeah. that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, I
0: think videography seems like a fairly recent um addition, I think to the it wedding. Is. Yeah, I mean, I'm trying to think of like any wedding movie that I've ever seen where there was a videographer and I think there was a Jennifer Aniston one called Picture This or something um and there was a guy who was filming at a wedding but he just had like a camcorder like his job was literally stand there a (laughs) shitty camcorder
1: and then you end up with this like two hour long uncut film oh absolutely and it's so cheesy too right where he's like so what do you want to say to gabby and patrick and they're like
0: oh hey happy for you guys you know it's so tacky right but like the videography that you're talking about this really artistic you know ambient film Mm-hmm. Modern abstract, as you say, which I love that I love that we're using words like that to describe weddings now as an artist that makes <laughs> me, me so happy, <laughs> yeah,
1: absolutely, it's so
0: cerebral and exciting, yeah, mm-hmm. just um people are thinking and with so much more intention planning their weddings, and I love that, so right, and I think that things like videography are coming out of that shift in our industry, which mm-hmm. is awesome, but yeah, it is it's a I think it's a pretty recent. Addition, and it is if you're having a videographer and a photographer, you're basically paying that, yeah, that price twice. Um, But you are getting very different products, and I think that that's an important thing to note.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. And um, I like what you mentioned earlier when when you actually brought up Junebug and you mentioned the moody shift in photography. Mm-hmm. That is definitely a huge trend that's going on. And we do use the word moody to, to denote it. Do you? I've been wondering. So... I was
0: like, what are other people yeah. calling
1: this? Because I can't figure out how to describe
0: it, but it's so <laughs> ambient
1: and like almost yeah. spooky sometimes. And I love it. Uh huh. No, moody is the word. You're spot on. Excellent. It's a lot of like. If you look closely, a lot of the photos use really deep green tones and a lot of intense shadows to convey emotion. And it's really beautiful. Um, Brianna, our photographer, does incorporate some of those uh, styles in her photography. But Patrick and I are also really jubilant, lighthearted people. So yeah, so I'm, I'm excited because I know she'll be able to capture that side of us, too. So it's important to find a photographer and a videographer that can accurately represent your style and your personalities. And it's amazing that the wedding industry offers people who can do that for like a wide range of styles.
0: Welcome to your intermission. Just a reminder, this is part one of a two-part episode If you head on over to jasminerlily.com and click on the real talk tab you'll find a post all about gabby and patrick with links to some of the vendors that she's already mentioned in part one as well as the rest of the vendors that she's going to be mentioning in part two you'll also find a bevy of gorgeous photographs from gabby and patrick's engagement shoot with brianna purser photography in case you didn't get a sense of how much these two love each other in part One. These photos will absolutely seal the deal. And while you're gazing at these stunning photographs, why don't you start listening to part two, where Gabby and I fall deeper down the rabbit hole of what is driving this industry forward and evolving it in the modern world.